0: Welcome to Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. I'm John Vandergriff. I'm joined by the ever-so-famous Zach Hill (laughs) of Blue Ridge Wealth slash uh, Remedy Coffee. Uh, So, again, check it out. Thank you. Good place. Still haven't added wide mochas since the last time we talked, but, you know, working on him, grinding (laughs) it down. Yeah, you might You might
1: get me one day, but not for a while. Did you catch my coffee pun there? Grinding Grinding it it down. yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) So uh, today, obviously, like the show is, we uh, we're going to talk back and forth over different topics, and again, you know, try to keep things relevant here, where we're looking at the CARES Act uh, and, and the stimulus plan that surrounds that, with obviously everything that's happening with uh, coronavirus and COVID nineteen. If we want to get you know technical, um, but just the impacts of things moving forward, and, and again, talking about pros of this CARES Act and also cons or potential negative impacts that we see down the pike. So so always uh, defer to my um Mr. Positive here <laughs> for today <laughs> at least uh, in this, uh, Mr. Zach. So go ahead yeah. with um with our positive focus here on
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh so Congress actually passed the CARES Act with incredible speed, which we haven't seen before. And so I think the first thing that's so positive about this is that no matter what the stimulus package was, it got in the hands of the consumers and businesses very quickly. And so I think that rapid um, pass through Congress just allowed the money to get into hands of the people that needed it very quickly. And so the next thing you need to talk about is what money was that, what was actually in the package. And so... The first thing that I think was a huge help uh, was the actual stimulus checks. That's what most people saw. They saw it hit their bank account if you had direct deposit uh, within just a matter of of a few weeks. And so... That was just so overwhelmingly positive for a lot of people who lost their jobs. We saw 25 million people over a four week span actually file for unemployment. And so for uh, them to be filing for unemployment and then actually have a $1,200 stimulus check hit their bank account, that allows them to pay for food and rent and basic necessities when they had their incomes drop to zero in such a short amount of time. Um, and so that happening so so quickly and then something that was just as simple as direct cash payments, really helped a lot of people out um, when they needed it most because it was so fast and so needed.
0: Well, I think, too, the interesting thing, you you brought that out that I hadn't even thought of, the fact that Washington was able to agree on something (laughs) with speed is uh, encouraging. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't take, you know, thousands of deaths uh, to make that happen again, but it may. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we go
1: four years without agreeing to to anything, and then in four days you can pass a stimulus bill. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so just depends on the motivation there. So, right. so, yeah, I mean, you know, positive that, positive checks, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think the next thing that we need to talk about is uh, the protections that they put in there for small businesses and particularly the service industry is where they were trying to target because the majority of these job losses, I think I saw a stat that it was 67% of the job losses that we saw in unemployment came from actual service industry workers that we just had to cut because – all the businesses closed, right. So all the jobs were lost uh, pretty rapidly and they went to file for unemployment. Uh, and then, so the government did two things to kind of uh, help out these service industry workers. The first was to help out the businesses through the Payroll Protection Program, uh, which provides uh, essentially two and a half months of payroll to businesses that were affected by uh, the virus. And then the next part was adding unemployment insurance for those who had filed for unemployment. So the government tried to do Programs for both the businesses and the employees uh, who were laid off, and so those those programs again um, they happened pretty quickly. Congress has had to fund the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program, again because it ran out of money so quickly. A lot of people uh, have seen their unemployments delayed because the states were so overwhelmed. So those programs were obviously needed, um, and they happened again so quickly that we've seen businesses who are now able to pay their employees if they were able to get the PPP or uh, We've seen individuals who are able to meet their obligations, their monthly rent obligation or something like that, just because they're getting that additional unemployment benefit.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, from a you you have a unique perspective, obviously, you know, working here, you know, in a small business, but having a small business yourself, yeah. you know, and seeing some of the, the benefit of, of, you know, the struggles of the coffee shop with all this happening that a lot of people have had you know it's yeah. not just you know um but seeing some relief there to where you know both from a staffing standpoint you've got some people that are able to get some assistance during this time but also you know have some payroll protection for yourself i think is a great thing as well yep. so
1: yeah i think that i mean helping on both sides of the equation there was so important was because in the past we've either 2008 we came in and bailed out a lot of corporations but there really wasn't much help for the individual. And so this time we really tried to take both sides of it. So I think that helps. And like you said, I'm tend to be biased towards the service industry workers just because I've seen that hit directly personally, but through a lot of people that I know. So that does color my view a little bit.
0: And I've seen a lot of opinions of people that talk about, you know, how, how drastically different, you know, you you can say each recession type period is, but, but when you, you compare this to 2008, it's different from the kind of Big corporate level being affected most, Mm -hmm. and the small businesses really, in some cases, remaining unchanged. To you, almost have Mm -hmm. the the complete opposite here, where uh, you know Starbucks is full. You know if they're keeping their drive-through open, but yet you get a you know local shop that's really forced to not work. You know, so so I think that's an interesting thing, and it's also interesting just when you look at the dynamics of the economy, uh, like you had referred to earlier with the speed of it, because. You know, I was looking at the amount of trading days that it took for the market itself to yeah. drop 30%. And this time was 22 trading days. And you compare that to like 250 in
1: 08. You right. Know. Yeah. In 2008, we didn't know the recession had happened until after it already happened. Right. And here we saw in real time, we saw businesses closing. And I remember uh, one, it was the Sunday before St. Patrick's Day. Is I was meeting with my employees. They were really worried. They said, "What are we going to do?" I said, "Well, we're just going to wait and write it out." And then three days later, ten- three or four days later, Tennessee had issued a safer at home order. Right. And so we went from have not really having any idea to three days later having to shut down a significant portion of the economy, and that hit the st- That hit the stock market instantaneously. It hit unemployment. I mean, we. I think the previous peak for weekly unemployment claims was around 600,000. And then the first week we went, I mean, we were hitting 4 million, 10 million, 6 million. We were in the millions, so we went from 600,000 to the million. So that was just crazy.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's the, a lot of what, you know, we talked about the motivation that Washington had. And I think just a lot of the, gosh, just the reactions that a lot of people have had is the speed. You know, and and we talk about how you know, everything moves faster now with, you know, kind of our society wanting things on a very immediate pace. Well, I don't think they wanted this quite as fast, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah. But but I think it's uh, it's one of those things where we've got to look at it and say, you know, a- as we move forward, you know, obviously we've got some things that are positive in this. And, and again, not everything's completely positive. Uh, but I, I do think when when you have kind of an unprecedented stoppage, or pause of our economy, you have to do something, you right? Know? Uh, especially when you're forcing people not to work. You know, you're, <laughs> you're like, not even you're giving them a choice. It, yeah, you know? like, and, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see as things progress. Uh, how obviously there are other things happening, you know, in our economy and in the global market, other than just the COVID nineteen with oil prices, and yeah. I think that <laughs> gets kind of swept under the rug. Not a lot of people talk about it. Um, but just seeing how quickly can the markets respond once everybody's allowed to do some things, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, I think I don't have a lot of arguments there. I'll, I'll kind of, (laughs) you know, take a a different approach to maybe some of those, you know, as we progress. But, you know, as we look here, the reality is when we face unprecedented times, you know, every decision is going to have a positive and a negative. And, and again, I think sometimes, the worst thing that can happen is not doing anything, you know. And unfortunately for a lot of people right now, because of the speed, because of the pausing, because of all this, it's really forced a lot of people to have inaction when it comes Mm -hmm. to decisions that may be good decisions to make, you know, because we've talked to a lot of people uh, during this time of, of wise decisions you can make when it comes to tax planning or even investment planning from some. And I think so many people have kind of insulated themselves, you know, uh, but from a mandate from the government, as far as staying home, but also just use that as an excuse not to make some decisions when it comes to maybe things that could be positive or negative uh, for their life. And so, you know, as we look at this, um, you know, obviously trying to weigh the impact of some of these things, both now and in the future, is, is kind of what we'll look at today. Um, but you know, as, as we look, we'll, we'll take a break here, um, looking at the kind of negative implications of some of the stimulus plan moving forward, but, but as we look at this, you know, very positive things to see um, in a time where, you know, some people, you know, that are kind of doomsdayers may not ever see any positive that can right. come from it, but I think, you know, getting, getting money in the hands of people who need it the most in a very rapid pace is a great thing that can happen, um, and so what we'll do is look at the impacts of that uh, coming up next.
1: Are you nearing the age of retirement? Is your 401k not looking the way you'd hoped all those years ago?
0: Retirement is supposed to be a time to relax, a time to live. Here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we strive to provide that service and opportunity. We can help you form a plan that will maintain and grow your retirement savings so that you can achieve what you envisioned when you originally set out on this journey. To see where you sit and what you can do to stand again, visit planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, let us plan for everything so you don't have to. All right, uh, back and forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Again, I'm John. This is Zach. Uh, We're going to be talking and, you know, again, helping people uh, process through uh, the pros and cons of the CARES Act and the stimulus plan and package that came along with that. And so Zach did a very good job pointing out some of the positives of this. And obviously, you know, if you've had a check that hit your bank account, you probably count that as a very positive thing because we didn't even hit on this. You know, when, when you look at that check, not only is it a check that is not taxable, but I think it also processes as a tax credit it does, for the yeah. next year. So you kind of get a double yeah. impact of that dollar. So so again, a positive impact all around there. You know, no taxes and also a tax credit for next year or for next time you file taxes. So, So again, you know, We talk about that, but now we're going to turn a little negative, um, you know, in looking at some of the implications of this uh, when it comes to both kind of problems that we see now but also problems that we see in the future. And so uh, as we look at, um, you know, one area of this that I think we'll kind of balance, you know, and and talk over some different sides of is the fact that it was – about a trillion dollars more than they planned on the initial CARES Act being. it's a slight rounding error there. Yeah, but it, it's one where some of the areas of that were not funded enough and then some were so good for people that it really didn't make sense. And so, you know, as we look at the unemployment uh, piece of that, you know, the the opportunity for some people to have the ability to make such a large number, I think, is what has kind of driven that unemployment number up so high. You know, for for a lot of yeah. part-time people, you know, for us, it really didn't make a lot of financial sense if we had part-time people that could get way more out of this unemployment program than they could even in the jobs they were working. You know, not only it made financial sense for them to get into it, but it's also going to make it a lot harder to uh, entice some of those people mm-hmm. to leave it. You know,
1: <laughs> Right. As quickly as we saw the unemployment rate spike up, it might not come down that fast because people are not going to be incentivized.
0: Right. And and I think, you know, as we look at this, it, it's something where, you know, the um, we've seen this, you know, happen where not just with unemployment, but also with just the stoppage of um, working and if you had to kind of furlough your employees or, or make it to where you weren't just consistently doing kind of a similar payroll to what you normally had, you have a jockeying of position of now people are using maybe what's happening to try to, you know, make their situation a little easier for their work and, and putting a little bit more strain on, their, on the small businesses to like if this is the situation I have, what are you going to add to me that you didn't have before? So you not, you now have just the lack of good employee, also the, have to incentivize the employees (laughs) more to come back, you know, so it's, it's kind of a double negative there where, you know, you've got people that, again, if you're paid a pretty substantial sum to do nothing, what's the incentive to do something else?
1: Right. And I think in Tennessee, the, uh, unemployment, the unemployment insurance on an annual basis. Now you only get it for four months, I think, um, But on an annual basis, that was $40,000 a year on Mm -hmm. unemployment. That's a lot of money to not, you know. Right, and obviously it
0: depends on like where you're at because like $600 a week, you know, in uh, New York City is different than Knoxville, Tennessee. Right,
1: and in Tennessee, cost of living is so low. It's such a beneficial thing because they just said $600 no matter where you are.
0: Right, so some people, you know, that was a negative. Gosh, I was making way more than that in the job that I had and I wasn't able to get it, but then not having some kind of uh, cost of living adjustment on it, I think, made, yeah. made it disproportionate in dif- disproportionate right. areas. Which is
1: unfortunate because in New York, they needed it the most. New York was the hardest hit city in the world. Yeah. And they're getting f- the same unemployment benefits that those in Tennessee are. And New York might not be able to go back for six or eight months, depending on where you are. Right. So
0: Yeah. So I, so definitely, you know, the unweighting of it, because even in inside of the unemployment Conversation, you know, having obviously a tremendous opportunity here locally, uh, but then in other places not having enough money, you know, right. that kind of negative weighting. But then looking at uh, uh, stimulus plan wide, you know, kind of the unemployment situation being a little sweeter pot than maybe the amount of money that they threw into the PPP. You right. Know, and I'll <laughs> let you kind of elaborate on your negative negative experience there. But
1: yeah, yeah, that was very negative. So I mean, the P- I think the PPP this is where you get into the, the actual back and forth is mm-hmm. had very good intentions, was set up very quickly, was funded very quickly. There was a loan applic a whole new loan application invented within a, a matter of days. That's pretty impressive. But the downside is that they didn't really think about how many people were actually going to access this or the regulations that they needed to put in place for companies that could access it. Right. Um, and so my experience has so far been overwhelmingly negative with the PPP. I feel my, uh, my bank didn't have the application up and ready. Bankers were really confused. The banks were on the hook for giving out the loans and then they had to just, uh, believe the SBA was going to forgive them, but nobody really had all the plan stipulations that we didn't know what was going to be in the plan. We, we started out knowing that it was going to be for payroll utilities and rent. And then the SBA said it has to be at least 75% for payroll, But if you've laid off all your employees you don't have any payroll so there there's a lot of confusion there um and so that confusion led to a really prolonged application process on the front end Mm -hmm. and then the sba ran out of funding within 10 days yeah Uh, and so you ran out of funding for this program and then they funded it again and then now they're, it looks like they're going to run out of funding again pretty quickly. Uh, my experience is just personally that I got my application in within uh, 24 hours of the loan portal going live, and my bank still hasn't processed my application. Yeah, um, Banks were just kind of prioritizing who they wanted to. It was a really confusing time. So um, from that perspective, it that was just a really – it was a negative process for what was supposed to be a very positive uh, program.
0: And I think, too – You know, you you have some negative impact there when it comes to, like, let's say you have a small business and um, you you don't have a lot of business dealings with a bank. Like you said, it was almost one where you were incentivized to have more leverage with the bank because they kind of favored some over others, you know, and so if you had a very good business relationship with them, you may have gotten kind of to Mm -hmm. the front of the line, uh, so to speak, if you you know, put your application. Right.
1: And we didn't have a a loan with our bank because we got a better interest rate somewhere else. And that was five, I mean, five years ago, maybe. And so like we had this loan that we've just been paying off and never did I ever think that it would come back to bite us, that we didn't have our checking account at the same place we have our loan. Right. But in this scenario, it really did.
0: Yeah. So, so again, you know, the, the positives of some of these, obviously there's some negatives depending on which, uh, You know, position you're sitting in, and maybe some of those small businesses weren't able to get access to funds that really, you know, would be used for what the the PPP plan was intentioned for, um, but unfortunately didn't get a chance to, and may not get a chance, depending on again how many rounds of funding they're going to throw at this. And so, so again, I think the most overwhelmingly negative thing is something that we've talked a lot about in our office, but I don't think a lot of people are talking about, and that is just the impact of Throwing a big pot of money that we're not obligating people to pay back yet into the uh, national debt that we have and, and just assuming that there's not going to be any impact, you know, or at least no one's talking about the impact of the fact that, you know, right now, uh, on average, our budget deficit is growing by about a trillion dollars a year, <laughs> you know, and then we take 2.2 trillion plus whatever stimulus monies come after that and add it to this national debt that is growing by. You know, I don't know if yeah. it's quite millions of dollars a day, but you know, it's just it's got to be increasing.
1: I mean, we spent two trillion dollars in one day, so right, right. But the national clock, <laughs> yeah, know, as
0: you can go look at it online. So, so again, as we look at this now more than ever, I think it's giving us more and more incentive, incentive to recommend that people make some decisions on taxes because we have. You know, I talked about this on, on, you know, a separate radio show, but we kind of have a perfect storm right now of opportunity for people with markets at a depressed rate, with taxes at a lower percentage, and with a government mounting a debt that is going to have to force people to pay it off at some point. You know, you've got an opportunity now where you may be able to pay lower taxes than you'll ever get again. Right. You know, and so uh, taking advantage of that opportunity is something that we want to help people with, but also get the message out as widespread as we can so that people can see the opportunity and do something about it. Because, you know, a lot of people talk about and, and again, we've you know had this conversation before, but, you know, people will be concerned that, oh, what happens if the government changes their mind? You know, like we're talking about Roth IRA conversions from tax-deferred positions to Roths, and they say, well, what if the government goes back and says, uh, Roths don't exist anymore, all this money's taxable. And again, you have to lean on kind of the historical uh, narrative that we have of the government, number one, being elected officials, and number two, not mm-hmm. being big on changing the rules of already past things. Right. Like they could make it where, you know, moving forward after some point, a Roth doesn't exist, but I don't think they'll ever go back and, so, uh, and retroactively make tax-free money taxable. Now, right. could they? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, they kind of have the keys and, and can do whatever they want while they're in office. But as we look at this, I think making the decision to do Roth conversions now is an opportunity that for the cost that mm-hmm. it ta- costs us tax-wise, we may never get again, you know, and especially, you know, looking at our position, you know, with with that debt probably being in a position of, Nobody knows when they're going to actually tra- care about paying it off, right. but that coming in the future at some point, the wise decision we can make is put as much money in our tax-free positions as we're allowed to, and whether that's you know Roth 401ks if your income's too high, uh, backdoor Roth conversions for existing tax deferreds, or you know using properly structured life insurance uh, to be able to build a tax-free bucket and get those taxes paid today uh, so right. that you don't have to worry about Uh, the tax implications of that. And, you know, as some people will say, insulate these accounts from the government, you know, because again, (laughs) you know, as the government can pass an act that gives $2 trillion to people, they could also pass an act that makes taxes double from where they are now. And again, I'm not of the opinion that long term, it doesn't need to happen. Like we need to get back to a more balanced budget, you know, but it's just one where, Again, it's it's going to happen, and when it happens, nobody's going to like it, and yeah. they're going to probably wish that they could go back to this time frame and say, "Hey, I wish that I would have paid taxes on money knowing what taxes are now."
1: Yeah, and we already know the tax rate is um, going to go up when the tax uh, cutting jobs act expires in a few years. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's going to happen. It's just we knew that six months ago, and now we've added a lot to the debt. So yes. now that makes it seem like it's even more likely.
0: And, again, it's it's one where, you know, if there's a changing of hands in Washington before 2025 when that's set to expire, you know, it could go away quicker, you know. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, that's the, the incentive that we have right now to make a call. And, again, if you can convert things at a lower price with where markets are, whenever it comes back up, you get a tax-free gain on it if you play by the rules. So So, again, we want to be in a position where we make good, wise decisions with our money. And and again, some of the negatives that we have have positive implications, but as we look at it long term, we've got to realize that there's going to come a day where somebody's going to stick their hand out and expect a bill to be paid. And it may be China, and it may be somebody else, but guess what? It's going to It may be us.
1: (laughs) Right. We hold a lot of the debt. Yeah.
0: But, you know, somebody's going to have to pay that debt, and it's not like we're just going to push a reset button and start over, you know, uh, where everybody's just going to say, forgive each other's debts and, you know, zero out. Uh, that's a bargaining chip that, unfortunately, is we're going to have our hand forced, and and we're not going to be happy paying the majority of our check to the government as opposed to, you know, tax rates as they <laughs> exist right. right now. So, so again, you know, where where we look at that with, um, you know, being in two different positions, if you're still working, obviously the contributions that you make, trying to make it as tax efficient as possible, but while you're in, you know, transitioning to retirement, and you don't add anything else to the bucket. It becomes even more important for that because you don't have any means to add to, you know, if taxes get worse. You're just like, right. this is what I got, and I got to make it work. So, so again, as we look at that, that's the pros and cons as we uh, look at it today. Uh, thank you for listening to us. And again, if you've got any more feedback, um, you know, we've got in info at Blue Ridge Wealth you can reach out to with questions, uh, comments, and and again, uh, we look forward to. Another episode where we'll talk over a different topic uh, and and go back and forth. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities
1: offered through Madison Avenue Securities LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS. And Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.